You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Belinda Mulder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. I started my sermon out with Joel 2 verse 25 that says, God will restore what the locust has stolen. He will restore the years the locust has stolen. And the first thing I was thinking about is how can God restore what years that have been lost? It's impossible to bring back time. It's impossible to bring back a word spoken in anger. It's impossible to withdraw a wave. Or as rain comes down, how can that rain immediately go up again to the same cloud, to the same position? And God just said to me, my restoration of my people is simple. In the years to come, I will increase their harvests double to make up for time lost. Amen? God wants to restore the time that has been stolen from you. He wants to restore what the locust has stolen in your life. He wants to restore your family. He wants to restore those days of depression and anxiety. He wants to restore the finances that the enemy has stolen over this last time. Amen? Amen? And it's time to stand up as a church and say, God, I believe your word. If you say you will restore, you will restore because you're a good, good father. Amen? So this morning, I want to encourage you, the years that depression, the years that anxiety, the years that setback has stolen from you, our God will restore those years to your life. Amen? He promises in that same scripture that he will pour out his spirit on young men and on older men. He will let us prophesy, see visions and dream dreams. Amen? Are you ready for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? You see, restoration is not just for me, church. Restoration is for Him. Restoration is for God's kingdom as well. Amen? He wants you to be whole because when you are whole, you will touch others from a whole heart. He wants you to not walk in fear because then as you touch others, you won't touch others in fear. You will touch others in peace. Do you see the goodness of our Father in restoring the years the enemy has stolen? Who thinks that COVID has stolen some years for us? Guess what? God will increase your harvest in the next couple of years. Amen? He will increase your joy in the couple of years. He will increase your peace. He will increase that which the enemy has stolen from you in the next couple of years. Are you ready for increase? But with increase comes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? So as I was looking at this, I first thought I'm going to touch on Mary Magdalene with the oil that came to Jesus and and threw her oil at his feet. And then I said, okay, Lord, are we going to go with it? And then I thought, maybe let's go with Paul. Because you know what? The years that were restored to Paul were not wasted. Those years that he had the honor and privilege of serving Jesus, of being persecuted, of being beaten, of being thrown into jail, were not years of, of given to the locust. Those were years of honoring his God and his king. And then the Lord took me to the last one and he said, I want you to speak about the prodigal son this morning. Because the prodigal son shows the heart of a father. And if you know the heart of the father and how he wants to restore you, your heart will change towards your restoration. Amen? You won't see God as somebody that's out to get you. You know, sometimes we see God as a, as, as a tyrant sitting there waiting to just give us another smack on our heads. But you know what? He's a good, good father. And that's why we even sang that song this morning where we said, you're a good, good father. 
And many of us have grown up with different scenarios in having fathers. Amen? Some of us, like myself, my father passed away when I was 18. So for the last 30 years, now you know my age, you know I have grown up without a physical father on earth, but I've had God the Father in heaven. Amen? We've had other people in the building this morning. Maybe your father abandoned you. I want to tell you, God, our Father, will never abandon you. Amen? Amen? And then we have others in the building this morning. You perhaps have a father. And being a parent, I can honestly say, sometimes we make mistakes. We try our very best to give our children the very best of who we are. And every now and again, a little bit of humanness comes through and we make a mistake. If that's you this morning and you've got anger and bitterness towards your father on earth, I want to speak to you this morning as well. Amen. Because all three aspects of these put together gives us a picture of God. And we start reflecting what we see in our earthly father onto God the father. You know what? I haven't had a call from my father on my phone since the age of 18. And we never had cell phones at that stage. But you know what God the father says? Every day, for those that don't have a physical father, I call you in your heart and say, yes, daddy. Amen? Yes, daddy. You're not alone. Those that have been abandoned, those whose fathers have walked away from you, this morning I want to tell you, you are not alone. You have God the Father that will fill those voids in your heart. So I'm going to speak to you this morning about the prodigal son. Nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus told a simple parable about a family. So this parable is intensely personal. It's about a father and two sons. And it touches every emotion. It is a story of rebellion, of repentance, and of God's kindness. Amen? of God's kindness. This parable of the prodigal son is a message that we still need to hear for years to come. It's a message we can constantly remind our hearts about because we learn lessons through this story and we learn lessons of how to struggle in life and the grace that comes with it. Amen? This narrative illustrates the incredible riches of God's grace, the terrible depth of human wickedness, the exquisiteness of a merciful salvation and the pure wonder of heaven's delight. Luke chapter 15 is a mirror for every human heart and every conscience in the building this morning. Can I say that again? Luke 15 is a mirror for every heart in the building this morning because within this story you will find yourself. So Jesus uses the example of a father with two sons, one of which is impatient to get his inheritance. In Jewish society, inheritance allocation was governed by a specific regulation. According to Deuteronomy 22, the oldest brother would receive two-thirds of the estate and the youngest brother or the other brothers one-third. But this brother requests everything. He displays total disrespect towards his father. He's miserable and thought that he needed a world without his father because this world would be a better one. Am I speaking to someone this morning? He wanted to remove himself from his father's authority. He wanted his inheritance right away and could not wait for his father to pass away because you would only receive an inheritance once your father passed away, amen? 
He appeared to be saying, I wish you were dead, Dad. Can you see this father this morning? Can you see what the father must have felt, what the son must have felt? Under normal law, such a son would actually be disowned and forbidden from ever returning from his family. Amen? He would be regarded as dead. So what would happen in this culture, in the standard culture of that day, if a son had to come and ask a father for his inheritance? The father would publicly strike the son across the face and send him away to disgrace him in front of everyone. This is what a normal reaction would have been in this culture. But what does this father do? This father graciously grants him his request without humiliating him. Can you already see the love of the father just in that first sentence of that story? He doesn't publicly disgrace him. He doesn't slap him across the face. He doesn't disown him and throw him out the family. He grants him his request. You see, a sinner wants the best from God and then walks away from him. Isn't that us sometimes, church? We want the best from God and then we walk away from Him. God, you protect me, you look after me, but leave me alone. You're not a good father. You've allowed so much evil into my life and God had never allowed evil into your life, amen? So he goes on and the prodigal son takes whatever he has and moves to a foreign land. He wanted to get away from anyone who knew him so that he could indulge in the evil he wanted to indulge in. Amen. Stick with me this morning, church. There is amazing revelation coming this morning. He wasted his inheritance on loose living, and eventually his money dries up, and hard times come. Famine comes. When we walk away from the Father, we start becoming a little bit dry, because the Father's love is what softens our hearts. Amen. Famine in those days wasn't famine like we know. Famine in those days were very, very intense famines. That To the point, do you remember other stories in the Bible where they actually would even eat their children? So this young man gets to a point that he actually accepts a job looking after and feeding pigs. And he was desiring their food. This is how desperate this famine was. He had fallen the lowest that he could fall. A Jewish young man wasn't even allowed to touch a pig in that time. Are you with me, church? And yeah, he has to look after them, not even look after him. Do you you remember the man on the picture sitting in between the pigs, looking after them, wanting to eat their food? You see, sin never delivers what it promises. Turn to your neighbor and say, sin never delivers what it promises. Hell is the highest reward the devil can offer you for being his servant. So this young man comes and he's sitting between those pigs and one day he comes to his senses and he says, church, this morning I want to tell you, if you are that person that has run away from the father or is living in sin, you need to come to that moment where you come to your senses. Amen. One day he sat there and he said, I will arise and I will go back to my father. Just like the prodigal son, when you realize that you've made a mistake, turn around and come back. Amen? Make a U-turn and run as fast as you can into the arms of the Father. The first step to your victory is to get up and go back to your Father. 
This morning, I want to ask you, some of us need to get up this morning and go back to our Father. Amen? The prodigal son will tell you that mistakes are correctable. Amen? Do you see how much hope is in the story already? And we haven't even got to the crux of what it is. There is so much hope and mistakes are correctable. There is nothing you can do that is bad enough for God never to want you again. God loves the greatest of sinners and He loves the greatest of saints. He loves everyone equally. Amen? Whether you're a pastor, a bishop, a usher, a hostess, a worship leader, or a congregation member, God loves us the same. The prodigal son will tell you that mistakes are correctable. If you can just take this home today, you can know that nothing you can do will turn God's face from you. Remember, God already had an opportunity in the story to shame him. He never shamed him. And then he remembered how his father had treated the servants. And how many of us remember what God has done for others in our lives and how he has treated us, amen? How many of the father's hired servants have bread enough to eat? This is what he says. They have at least bread, but I perish with hunger. By him saying I perish with hunger means he was really, really, really hungry. Amen? Because he perishes, die. He's literally sitting there dying of hunger. So he plans to return to his father and say three things. Are you ready for this, church? This is going to blow you out the water this morning. The first thing he says is, I'm going to go back and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Okay, first thing. Second thing, he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Third thing, treat me as one of your hired servants. Did you get that this morning? He wants, he's planning his speech when he returns to his father. He says, when I return to my father, I'm going to say these three things. He felt that even being treated as a servant, as a hireling, would be better for him than the treatment he was receiving in this pagan world. True repentance always brings our hearts back to the Father. True repentance. True repentance. What happens when the Son returns? When the Father sees Him away off, it says He was filled with compassion and He ran. That run is actually a sprint as if you were racing in a competition. The Father stood off, they say maybe from a high place, because He was looking out for His Son. He was waiting for him to return. And when he sees his son, he picks up his robe, which somebody of his age was not, not normal to do. Amen? They would not run in, in their robes. Amen? And he runs. He runs towards his son. Not runs as if he's doing his son a favor. He sprints towards his son as if he's running a competition. This is the father's heart for you this morning. God runs towards you when you come home. You see, church, the prodigal wasn't an apostle, and he wasn't a famous religious leader. God ran towards a boy in need of mercy. He ran towards a boy that had messed up. He ran towards a boy that had made mistakes. He ran towards a boy that had failed. Do you maybe fit in one of those categories? And you wonder what God will do? Guess what? He will run towards you. 
He will run towards everything that you've done and say, my love is here to help you. Amen? When he reached his son, according to the Greek, he actually grabbed his son and repeatedly kissed him. Kissed him, kissed him, kissed him. On his head and on his neck. And this morning, while I was just meditating early, early this morning on the sermon, God just gave me a picture of this young boy that had been sitting in filth and rot with the pigs. The young man had not had a shower yet. Amen? He returned. He was still smelling really bad. And he probably looked super bad too. Amen? And this does not put the father off. He runs towards him and he grabs him and he kisses him repeatedly. You see, there's so much detail in the word that we so easily read past. And we don't think about it. And this morning I just saw this picture of the son coming filthy and this father coming and kissing this child over and over and over again. And saying, I'm yeah, I'm yeah. I've never left. I want you in my world. Amen. He took the boy's disgrace on himself and took away his humiliation. Isn't this the heart of our father this morning? This is a deep message this morning. But you know, the father did five things. What is the number of five? Is grace. The father saw him. He had compassion. He ran. He embraced. And he kissed. This is our father. Amen. Let this sink deep into your heart this morning. You could be so far from God this morning. God is ready to have compassion on you. He sees you. He's running towards you. He will embrace you and he will kiss you. Even if you smell like you've come out of a pig's pen. Amen. God never said to the young man, go have a shower and then you come speak to me. Amen. And these small details we don't always see, but that just shows you the incredible love of our father. In those days, if a, if a son had to return, he had to wait for an invitation to come into the father's house. And then he literally had to lay on the floor and beg for mercy. How different was our father's reaction to what the norm was, amen? All of this happened before the prodigal son had said one word. Remember the prodigal son's speech he had ready for his father? The father had run towards him, he had compassion on him, he'd seen him, he'd embraced him and kissed him before the prodigal son had said one word. This is the father's forgiveness towards you this morning. It's instant, complete, like this, like this, he's waiting for you. The father's love transcends our feelings of anger and rejection. God's love is never changing. Our rejection doesn't cause him to turn his face away from us. Can I say that again? Our rejection does not cause God's face to be turned from us. But we need to go back to him, church. The prodigal continues. Now look how awesome this is with his rehearsed sermon. He says, I have my speech ready. But he only gets to the first two parts of his speech. He manages to say, Father... I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Before he gets to the part where he says, make me a hired servant, Jesus interjects, the father interjects. Amen? 
He never lets him say, make me a hired servant. Have you noticed that? Go look at that story. He says, I'm going to say one, two, three. My third sentence is, make me one of your hired servants. The father allows him to say, to repent, to come back to him, but he doesn't allow him to say to be a hired servant because that was never his identity and it would never be his identity. And God wouldn't even allow him to say that. Amen? This morning, church, you are not a hired servant. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High. Amen? You are a son and a daughter of the Most High. You are not a hired servant. This was another act of grace towards the son. The father doesn't allow him to say, make me a hired servant, because that was not his portion. This is the nature of our God. Nothing we can do will ever be used by God against us. Nothing you can do. God does not keep a little book of wrongs and waits for you to do something that he can remember and write it down. He doesn't even let him get to the third part of his story. The father calls for the servants to bring him the finest, best robe in the house. Remember, he still hadn't showered, okay? So the father brings this embroidered robe, which they would give distinguished guests in their home. It was like if you had to get dressed in a tuxedo for a wedding. That's how special this robe was. And he puts this robe over this young man's sin, over this young man's smell, over this young man's look and his appearance. And he says, you know what? Your appearance does not put me off. I still have a robe of righteousness for you. Amen. So the robe covers him. This robe was also called the robe of honor. Can you imagine that God would take a robe of honor and put it over a young man's shoulders who had squandered his inheritance? The father offered complete forgiveness and restoration for the time that was lost. The next thing he does, he puts a ring on his finger. And you know what? This is also a signet ring. It was a, the family's crest and or seal was on that ring. And he says, yeah, is a symbol of authority that I will give back to you when you come back to me. This morning, God is putting a robe of righteousness around your shoulders and a signet ring saying that you are carrying my authority and you walking as a king's kid. Amen. This young boy is given responsibility again without him even proving himself. The next thing he does, he brings sandals. Remember, it was a robe, a ring and sandals. And we often look past the sandals because we think the robe and the ring is so significant. But the sandals were actually made from a luxury leather and it was only reserved for the rich. This gift was a gift of sonship. It looks like the least gift, but it was a symbol stating that you're of the father's acceptance for the son. His hired servants and household servants would not wear shoes in those days. So what he said is only masters and their sons would wear sandals. So he says, you're not just a hireling, I'm putting sandals on your feet. And this indicates that I'm reinstating you as a son of God. I'm reinstating you as a son of the house. This is how God forgave extravagantly. Sandals, robe, and a ring all belong to the father as symbols of authority. In giving these three gifts to his son, he's telling him, the best that I have is yours. 
the best that I have is yours and you are now fully restored and elevated in this household to your original position. You are no longer rebellious and adolescent. You are now a full-grown adult son carrying the privileges of this house. Amen? The father did this publicly. He didn't take him to a backward room. He didn't take him to a secluded little private area. He did it publicly that everybody could see the restoration of his position as son in the house. This is the God we serve. Amen? Christ justifies a filthy sinner and instantly treats him like a dignitary. This is the Father we serve. God saves the worst of sinners. And then he orders the fattened calf to be killed to celebrate the return of his son. This calf was around about 120 kilograms, 500 pounds, and it would probably take them two to three days to eat this whole fattened calf that was killed and what they would do is they would invite the entire village so there would be maybe up to 200 people that could eat a calf amen so there was great preparation going on this is a small glimpse remember what the bible says there's joy in the presence of the lord at the return of one sinner at the return of one sinner amen Remember last week, I put the, the ribbon on the platform where I said, this is our seasons of life. And then I put a gold ribbon and I put the blue ribbon right around the building saying that's what we, we are living for eternity. Church, when we spend eternity with God, it means we don't spend eternity in hell. But hell is very real. That's why God celebrates every sinner. When the older brother hears about this, that the younger brother has returned, he actually becomes angry. You see, many of us in the house become angry when we see the goodness of God on people that we don't feel deserve it. Amen? We become angry. God, why are you so good to him? You know what he did. I'm not forgiving him. Why are you forgiving him? <laughs> Amen? Am I speaking to somebody this morning? He was serving in his father's house, but he had no joy. This morning, are you in your father's house serving him, but there is no joy? Because, you know, just like the prodigal son left for a foreign land, this young boy was in the house and both of them were miserable. He was just as miserable. Why should his brother that had wasted years of his, of his life in squander and wasted the inheritance be received by his father? This older brother is so angry that he refuses to go into the party. He sits outside with a heart filled with pride and jealousy. He does not want to go in. He deliberately sits and sulks. <laughs> Don't we sometimes do that as well? <laughs> and he keeps his distance from the party. You see what bitterness and hatred and resentment does? It places distance. It places distance. He's consumed with himself and has no love for his brother. When he, when he speaks about his brother, he doesn't say to his father, my brother has returned. What does he say? He says, your son has returned. Is it not his brother? He says, your son has returned. Naturally, his father hears this and he comes to speak to him. You know, he's, he's like, what's going on with the son of mine? And the father comes looking for him in his anger. Church, I want to tell you, this is another sign of God's grace. In our anger, God chases us down. How many times when you've been angry with God has God's love come to reassure you over and over and over again that everything's going to be okay? 
This is the God we serve. The Father comes looking for Him. This is already such a mind-blowing moment that He would take time to come look for the Son that is angry. When this happens, we discover that He's not just angry with His brother. He's actually angry with the Father too. Some of us this morning, we've got a little bit of anger towards God. Amen. We are angry with what God has done or not done or should have done and could have done and would have done and must have done. And why did God not do it at my schedule? Amen. Am I speaking to the right people this morning? Some of us have to go before the Father and say, Lord, I'm angry at you. Come, come with the dirty clothes with a smell on you because God is not going to chase you and go, seriously, get out of my presence. God is going to say, come, let me show you what my love is. Let me show you what my goodness is. He says to his dad, I've never disappointed you. I have just obeyed your commandments and served in this house. This is the older brother. And you wouldn't even give me a goat to celebrate with my friends. Do you see the difference in that? This father had taken a fattened calf and he'd invited the whole village, the whole family to celebrate the son's return. Yeah, this angry son says, you haven't even given me a goat that I can celebrate with my friends. Not with family, not with a village, with his chosen lot, his chosen group of people. You see, when we're offended, when we carry bitterness and resentment, we want to decide who's around us and how they're around us and when they're around us. Amen? Do you see the difference in these two brothers? This is such a contrast to this brother who had lived in squander, who'd come back to a fattened calf. Amen? The older brother sees this difference in treatment as a manifest injustice towards him. A manifest injustice. God, why are you good to this person? This person does not deserve it. You know what? If somebody has hurt you, if somebody has been rude to you, if somebody has said things about you, the very best thing that you can do is pray for them. The father tells his son three things. He says, firstly, son, you've always been with me. Yeah, he's actually just reassuring the eldest son that he's not lost his place in the family. You've always been with me. The second thing he tells him is that all he has is his. The young son has squandered his, his inheritance. Amen? And the third thing he says is, it was fitting to make merry and be glad. For this, he actually starts by saying, son, it was fitting to make merry and be glad. For this, your brother, not my son, your brother, was dead and is alive. Remember, in that custom, if somebody had left home, they were actually considered dead. They were written off. Yeah, he's saying your brother was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Let us celebrate together, amen. The story of the prodigal son is one of redemption, of restoration, and of grace. Amen. This morning, God has redemption, He has restoration, and He has grace for every single one of us. But I was even telling the music ministry and the media before today, we have to open those spaces of our hearts where we've allowed our daddy issues to enter in. Amen? Hallelujah. Can I speak a little bit deeper for one minute before we close today? We have to open those spaces in our hearts where we've said, my father was this and this and this. You know what? Forgive him because one day you will be a father as well. And I'm not saying what he did to you was right or wrong. I'm saying if we're making God's word the standard for our lives, we have to forgive. We have to. 
if we want to be a Christian, let's be Christians. Amen. Jesus says, forgive and we will forgive. Doesn't matter what happens, God will see us through. His invitation is open to you today. He says, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. We serve a good, good father. Run into his arms. Run into his arms. Don't just run into his arms, because many of us run into his arms, but we don't remain in his arms. Run into his arms and remain in his arms. Amen. Can I challenge you this morning? Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. Doesn't matter what you've been through. Run into his arms. He's ready to take you in and love you as if you have never, ever sinned before. He says he throws our sins in the deepest part of the ocean and he remembers them no more. Nobody is too good or too bad to receive the Father's love. Just come to the Father. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.